0: Mana, 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 This is Social Disgusting. Welcome to Social Disgusting, a podcast where my guests and I discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves. I am Brandon, A.K. Brandon. I hope you're well. My guest is a writer, director, and actor. As a writer, she's staffed on Saturday Night Live, The Goldbergs, and Billy on the Street. As an actor, she can be seen in the other two, Touka and Birdie, and The Goldbergs. And as a writer, director, and actor, she's made two fantastic short films, The Other Morgan, which played South by Southwest last year, and Training Wheels, which played Sundance mere months ago. We're catching her fresh office sojourn in Australia. Please welcome Alison Rich. Welcome.
1: Thanks. Oh my gosh, great. Like, I couldn't have said it better myself good research oh my gosh you're thank you so much brandon i wish you could tell me my bio every day when i like wake up alone in my apartment being like what has my life been
0: (laughs) i'll clip the audio for you and just and i'll dm it to you yes i can just play it in the morning You everyone.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for doing this again. I I really do appreciate My your time. Pleasure. The deeply unfair, easy to ask, difficult to answer questions. How are you, and how have you been, for that matter?
1: Sure, I'm solid. Like I would say, the you know there there've been as for everyone like ups and downs with the pandemic, and I feel like I can mark some of the time of the pandemic with like ooh here were the downs. So definitely like you know not in a down but also not like in you know the oof i i'm like a pretty emotional person so it's like i knew when you asked that i was like oh man there's a chance i could get right into it but um like it's not you know like uh, there's still so much uncertainty which i think we're all grappling with and it's like as the pandemic goes on Sometimes it's like, well, I've dealt with the ups and downs before. Like, I can deal with it again. But other times it's like, oh, my God, this is still going. So, like, the amount of time can be, like, evidence of, like, you'll make it through. Or the amount of time can be evidence of, like, oh, we're fucked forever. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so mixed.
0: Very fair. But I I know exactly what you mean, because even early on, And I can't listen to early episodes of this podcast because I feel, in hindsight, just so naive as to what this is and what this would be. Because at the time, it was just like, yeah, you know, if we can handle this, we can handle anything, you know, and very bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, but also just having no concept of what would come with regard to the pandemic or in the world at large, unfortunately, just everything being, not that it wasn't so much before, but seemingly the most ever. And it's just... Uh, so much to deal with, to put it lightly. Like Totally. You know, and some days, to your point, like, I got it, and it's like you tackle the world and you're going to do the best, and some days it's just like everything is so fucking much. Yeah. And I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. I feel just, like, mentally paralyzed. Like, I don't know what to do.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, and it's, uh, like, yeah, it's just been such a mixed bag. Like, over these last, you know, almost two and a half years now, in certain ways, like, it... Like in my career or whatever, it's been, you know, really good in certain ways and really bad in other ways. Like the good ways are, you know, because like work has been sparse, there's been all this time to be like, okay, go do your passion projects, make the things that you really care about um, because you have the time for it in the way that like when I've been, you know, staffed on a show or this or that, there just hasn't been the time. And so I can look back on the time and be like, well, you know, I made that Sundance short in over this period which was like it was very time consuming it felt like running a small business but i'm so proud of it and i'm like well you know whatever happens with my career i can always point to that and be like look i made a piece of work that really is me that i'm proud of but you know so that's that's awesome but then on the other side like you know for all of us it really deflated certain like career momentum opportunities like you know um so much of my career up to this point had been based around different communities, things like UCB or like just these other avenues that I would call like JV comedy of like like a college humor or a funnier or die, these places where it's like, okay, maybe it's not, you know, some big splashy job, but it's like, um, you know, a legitimate organization making comedy, you know, like all of those places and things were gone And, you know, some of that stuff, like those digital places were already struggling regardless of the pandemic. So I was probably going to, you know, but just there's, I, you know, you feel like so much more of an island, like, uh, and comedy and art in general is such a collaborative thing. So that's been hard. And I take heart in the fact that, like, for instance, UCB is supposed to be coming back in some form in Mm -hmm. September. And it's, you know, not a perfect place. It's not even a place that I was like super involved with towards the, uh, uh, you know, by 2020, but just to be like, Oh, you can go into a theater and see people, you know, and laugh, you know, whereas like over these last two and a half years, that was much harder to come by. Um, you know, It it, it feels like, okay, a little light at the end of the tunnel. I
0: was about to say absolutely, as if I can relate to that as somebody not in the comedy world. But I can imagine, yeah, that that is just another, to your point, like another option, another cool comedy place. You're like, wow, I know this has always been there, and I can always rely on that to be a thing.
1: Yes, totally.
0: And a vibrant, cool thing at that, because between, you know, UCB going under, but cool to hear that it's coming back in September. I know it was acquired recently and improv olympic i know kind of went under during all that too and seemingly like kind of smaller satellite shows have popped up yeah but probably you know they're more in like a Los Feliz type you know in community areas which are probably maybe harder to get to in the sprawling chaos of los angeles but at least with ECB coming back that's exciting that's something
1: yeah yeah and it's you yeah. know because i do think There were parts of the pandemic where it was, you know, in the first year where it was like, you truly can't see people or like, it just, it does, even though it sucks that the pandemic is still going, it's like, well, we can do things we couldn't do a year ago. So like, let's have gratitude for that, you know, and so yeah, um, yeah,
0: and at a certain point, it just reached this weird, obviously, unofficial point of just like, oh, this is just life now.
1: Yeah, totally. Like, I went to I I know oh sorry go ahead no please go um i went to a like outdoor birthday party this weekend that was like lovely and i I stayed a really long time like i'm normally the type of person to like show up to a party stay for 45 minutes and then like irish goodbye but this i must have stayed for three four (laughs) hours to be like let's soak up all the socializing we can um but then the next day i get a text from the host being like just so you know like um You know, I, one of the guests told me this morning that they tested positive for COVID and you're so like, take a test, you know, you're just like, okay, that's, yeah, that's just part of it. Um, yeah.
0: I don't know when that point, I guess, obviously it's a person to person basis in terms of that this is just life now moment. And then it's, oh, I can't just do the thing where I just stay in my house or apartment or whatever, and then I'll wait for it. And then when the coast is clear, we'll just go back to normal. It's like, oh, I need to figure out what I'm comfortable with and return to some form of the world to varying degrees of caution or with the varying degrees of caution. Yeah. And then you just are, and then hopefully you, God, you know, knock on everything, avoid COVID quite literally like the plague at this point.
1: I mean, it is, it is our modern plague. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But you did go, this is a, I don't know how to transition to this. As mentioned in the intro, you just came back from Australia. Yeah. And you were there for like two weeks? Yeah.
1: Yes, 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 Yeah.
0: It looked amazing yeah
1: it was really amazing super beautiful and just you know in a way similar to la there were there it had so many different experiences to offer it's like you know i was near sydney i was in sydney for a lot of it and so you have that very cosmopolitan city experience but then that's on the coast so also went you know down to the beach and that and there you know um walked you know didn't do too much hiking but there it seems there were nice trails and so just a bunch of diverse, like amazing experiences and also went down to Tasmania, um, and went to this like crazy museum called the Mona that's owned by this like gambler guy. And, um, yeah, it was very fun and different. Um, my boyfriend's from there originally and his, um, he went back for two months to visit his family cause it had been a while since he saw them. And so I just came in the middle for two weeks, um, to visit. So it was really cool. Yes. Oh
0: nice. So you got a real guided tour of yes. the sites. That's amazing.
1: Yes, yes, he was so, you know, like he was sort of taking a break from work and it was very nice for him to like take, you know, two full weeks and play tour guide for me.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. The Mona, to your point about like the the Tasmanian uh, museum. Yeah. Looked incredible. I I had no idea that existed yeah. and I looked it up since I saw some of your photos, and the exhibits were just extraordinary. Like, yes, unbelievable.
1: It's bananas. Yeah, I had no idea it existed either. And it's, I think, like the subtitle of the name of the museum is like, like, the Museum of Sex and Death. Or, or there, that might be a different, <laughs> the name of a different museum. But it, all, a lot of the exhibits have to do with sex or death, and just like, it's a lot of weird, you know, just oddities, and um, so fun and silly. And you take this. Um, uh, this little ferry out there that's, like, got um, some of the seats are statues of sheep. Like, it's all, you know, as kooky as you can imagine, um, but really fun and cool. And, you know, that's just another example. Like, I think the pandemic has definitely showed us that, like, you just do not know where life will take you. And a mini example of that for me was like, if you told me a year ago, like, oh, you'll be in Tasmania sitting on a sheep on the way to a crazy museum, I'd be like, what are you talking about? You know, so, yeah.
0: And then the added eccentric element of, and it's owned by an eccentric gambler, billionaire, I'm assuming.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah, a friend of mine, her brother actually lives in Tasmania, and so she knew a bit about the Mona, and she said that, like, the guy... People have tried to get his life rights to, like, make a movie about him. And he will only agree to give his life rights if he gets to play himself. And he's, like, not an actor, you know. So yeah. just the, the kookiest of kooks.
0: That's amazing. I mean, I guess if his demand is starring in a movie about his life, then I would imagine, unfortunately, a documentary might be off the table. Because that, that I'd be all about, you know, at the very least, if we get something, yeah. some kind of deep dive into his life, I would love that. Yeah. I say that, too, and admittedly, documentaries are on my brain because I've been virtually attending the Tribeca Film Festival.
1: Oh, how is that?
0: Pretty great. There's a lot of awesome stuff, and obviously, they don't give you access to every single thing that they premiere there, but I think up to 40, between 40 and 60 things that they're showing throughout the week. That's awesome. Virtually, and so I've just been inundated with admittedly deeply depressing documentaries. Uh, I'm sure. They're, They're amazing. But a lot of really great ones, but also just like, you know, one about the opioid crisis and one about hazing in college and one about the Boy Scouts of America and everything involved in that insidious organization. You know, it's just like, dear God, you know, I watched a documentary last night about somebody trying to cure cancer. It was beautiful and amazing. And I cried my eyes out and it was so good.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I've I've always been a big sad documentary consumer um but yeah certainly like the pandemic gave a lot more time for that because you know just at night like i turn on netflix and i just started watching there's one called keep sweet and it's about the flds like um warren jeffs and the okay extremist like mormon cult and um it's like fascinating but it is it's some dark stuff and I know for me, I think I'm growing out of this, but like, and I don't, I'm not proud of this, but I feel like I have always been one to watch like sad or dark documentaries because it gives you perspective and goes, whatever you're, you know, stressing about dealing with whatever is so small compared to like what some people are dealing with.
0: For sure. But
1: uh, I'd like to, you know, you can sometimes be like, oh, is this exploitative or like, am I, you know, like joyfully consuming something that's other people's sadness so i feel mixed about it but it's just the truth of who i am
0: i know what you mean though like that's why i can't really get into quite as much Uh, anyway i I guess i never was like deeply into them but i'm very hesitant to watch like some true crime stuff because i just i'm like if they're not actively participating in this, like whatever family or people that were deeply affected by it, then is this just drudging up terrible things for them for the sake of other people's entertainment and consumption?
1: Totally. And then
0: I feel bad about that. I feel really bad. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And like my first, what first got me into documentary stuff um, was in college. I like came home on one holiday break and stumbled upon an episode of intervention. And it really fascinated me and then I watched a lot of that show, but now with like space and some life experience and being an adult, I'm like, oh, that's like really fucking exploitative of like, you're just, you know, like filming these people's like darkest moments and they justify it by being like, they get, you know, rehab or whatever. And, you know, I don't know how successful or not that is, but I was like, i i can't watch those sorts of things anymore where you're like ugh, we're just like these are real people and like as fascinating as it might be for me or like what like perspective it gives me is so much less important than like the dignity of the subjects you know
0: oh 100 no i i completely agree yeah and to your point about like the more i guess bleak documentaries that's something that i have watched a lot of and have watched a lot of you know in the past and certainly this year because again like i did doing Tribeca, but before that I did Sundance, virtually, South by Southwest, and Slamdance. Mm-hmm. So I've pretty much consumed every bleak documentary that will be coming out for the next year and a half, probably. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so I've consumed a lot. And there have been some happy ones, and those definitely are the ones you tend to remember in the, the wake of all the bleakness that I'm subjecting myself to. But yeah. At the very least, there are a lot of good documentaries coming out. I can tell you that much. As somebody who's seen probably like fifty of them, seemingly at this point. Do you so. give
1: me give me like do you have like a top three that I should look out for?
0: Top three. Let me think. Granted, there is the regency uh, regency bias of it all, but sure. The one that I saw last night, um, directed by I think his name is Russ Kaufman, who won an Academy Award for Born into Brothels. Okay. And I think in like two thousand nine. But it's this new one. It's called Of Medicine and Miracles. Okay. It follows dual stories of absolutely brilliant doctor trying to cure cancer and a story of a family in Pennsylvania whose daughter had lymphoma or leukemia, I I think. I can't remember which. She had it when she was very young. And it's them chronicling her history until those two storylines converge. And it's extremely well done. Wow. yeah, it was beautiful. I've never been a huge crier, but I just bawled my eyes out. It was amazing. So good. Yeah. So there's that. One that I mentioned multiple times on here already, but what's one more at this point? <laughs> Fire of Love, it's called.
1: Oh, yeah. I saw that it was at Sundance, and that's about the volcanologists or whatever. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Two
0: French volcanologists. It's incredible. Look. And Miranda July. Is it July or is it Julie? I always have read it, but I've never heard. It's July. Okay. She um, reads the narration for it, and it's so well done
1: cool.
0: and beautiful. It's incredible. I like, okay. cannot recommend that enough.
1: Great.
0: Third one. Oh boy. Oh <laughs> boy. I don't know. That this is where they're all kind of canceling each other out at this point in my oh, yeah, head. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll, I'll ponder. Yeah, two good. You it. know.
1: That's yeah.
0: Yeah, the classic top two.
1: Yes, classic right. top two. <laughs> well, if you're not much of a crier, I hope I didn't like shock you by immediately at the top getting choked up. I just, no, I'm a, uh, no. and I like. Well, I'd be. I've listened to some of the other episodes, but I can't say that I've like consumed a bunch. So I'm wondering, do you, you know, when you've interviewed people, are people pretty level, or do you sometimes have you? Because know, I feel like so far I've been a little bit of a downer. <laughs> you're just catching me on a weird Wednesday, but. Um, I gotta imagine you get, you know, the whole range.
0: You're not being downer at all, first of all, and at all, like, truly. But, I mean, that's also, like, what this is, right? I mean, like, just, <laughs> I know for me that how I am in the moment is how I am, and it could change any second, because I just really do feel particularly vulnerable in all of this, and you just don't know. It's like, you know, you once even just the illusion of control is shattered to the degree by which, at least for me, it has been in all of this, that I just try to be okay in the moment and that's good enough for me.
1: Totally, yeah.
0: And even realizing, like, it's okay to not be okay, that's a big takeaway for me during all this. So, in terms of just how the mood is somebody's gonna be, I don't blame anybody if they feel, you know, quote-unquote, off or imperfect or whatever. I mean, there's no right way to be in all this. It's just be okay and that's good enough.
1: Totally, totally. And I know for me, in one of my, like, The last, like, late summer of last year, I was having a hard time. And I remember I went to a friend's to just hang out, but then opened up about, you know, having a hard time. And she said a great thing, which she was just like, in three months, like, this will be different. You will feel different for, you know, I just know that you will. And part of that is just because, you know, you're you sort of do return to this homeostasis unless obviously, you know, some people deal with like clinical depression or like there's a chemical amounts or this, that, or, you know, but just the thing of, I literally put in my calendar, this would have been like September of last year. And so I put in my calendar, like December, like Shireen says, I'll be better. And sure enough, (laughs) like enough little things had shifted that I was better. And so, you know, experiences like that just make you go like, even if you're not feeling okay in this moment, like, it's rare that it, like, stays permanently tough. So just, like, putting that one foot in front of the other, um, you know, is is all you sh- you should be thinking about doing.
0: Oh, 100%. Like, uh, I know for me that as somebody with, you know, depression and anxiety, too, that, or just I mean, depression and anxiety, but even in those moments when it's really hitting hard, yeah, you know, it's like... <laughs> That's what's so insidious about it is that intellectually, even in those moments, I know this is temporary, but it feels so permanent.
1: Totally.
0: And to have that feeling of like knowing it will go away, but then not feeling that way, it feels so helpless. But but to your point, like it always does go away. Yeah. And even if in the short term, the things you're doing to work toward that aren't showing immediate impact, I I think at least for me, like I've at least gotten to the point where I know this will do the trick and I just need to do that. Even if I feel hopeless in that moment.
1: Totally. Yes. And I feel like I've learned, you know, I've always been someone more with anxiety than depression. And I feel like the pandemic has taught me a couple of things about, about my anxiety and about the things I need to do to get through it. Cause you know, hopefully our society does continue in the direction of like the pandemic affecting us less and less, but you know, life will serve you other things to other periods in which anxiety pops up. And so, sure. you know, I, one of the big lessons I've learned is like, I feel like my anxiety really takes hold of me when my like world gets small, when you're like all you're sort of thinking about, you know, uh, is, is yourself or is your thing? Like you sort of, uh, un, you know, you can, this sounds too harsh, but you can get a little selfish and, you know, you're just really like thinking about yourself, your future, your, your situation and so for me, like trying to, instead of being so focused on like, how do I solve the the issue of me right now? You know, reaching out and just like calling someone and being like, what's your life like right now? You know, putting yeah. the attention on somebody else. Um, and also it, it's like getting a little too focused on yourself and also just l- like what you're saying earlier of like things will always be this way, like sort of realizing like life's long and there are chapters and like inevitably Stuff will shift and like this, you know, um, it's just that it's sort of like Someone has put like a spotlight on one part of your life that you feel unease about when you're like, well, but there's a whole You know, if it's like you're in a dark room and there's a spotlight on something. It's like turn the lights on There's a whole room. <laughs> that makes yeah. Sense. Yeah
0: yeah. That really resonates for me and I and I know I can get like for me part of um It's just like you that anxiety has always been a thing. Wait, wait you didn't say that. No, what I'm saying is that anxiety, it's being more anxiety than depression for me, certainly. And I'm only, in recent years, realized how long and intense my anxiety has been, even since I was a kid. And I never quite realized that. Yeah. And now I'm just like, oh, that's my experience, but that's not the typical experience. Or maybe it is. But I guess that you know, the more people you talk to, the more context you get of, oh, maybe that's not a thing that everybody had. Oh, okay, that's not not I don't know if it's I don't know I don't know what I'm saying
1: it's hard to know because it's like is you know are we just have a generation? I don't know how old you are but I imagine we're like not far off in age but like are we of a generation where there's just across the board more anxiety or is it like there's always been anxiety but in the past there were even bigger problems so like we weren't even able to get to the discussion of anxiety or is it like no you and I are two people who have more anxiety than the average person and that, you know, it's, it's yeah. hard. Yeah. And like what one therapist might call anxiety, another person might say, Oh, it's not that, you know, it, it can be, but I guess it doesn't really matter. Like as uh, you know, where we one fits in, in the broader scheme, it's just like, can you, you know, if, if what you're dealing with is affecting your ability to function, how can you, you know, get out of that so that it's not,
0: well, first of all, I'm 38, so I don't think we're dramatically far off.
1: No, or... yeah, I'm 35, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, I do think about that sometimes, but not a ton, because I don't want to get lost in that, because it's almost like, it's really not that I'm going to get an answer so much as an answer that I, I'm okay with, and then yeah. what does that really do for me at that point? Yeah. You know, I guess it's just trying to establish some safety and answers. I guess, but uh-huh. but I do think about that too. About like, I'm sure anxiety is probably more predominant in a weird way because we know so much more than we ever did. Totally. But then again, it also feels more predominant because we then know more about it itself yeah, than and we, we ever talk did, about it. and we have more of the vocabulary and understanding of it than ever. Right. Because. Uh, shockingly enough i can guarantee you people in the great depression were really really stressed out
1: right 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 they They
0: just didn't necessarily maybe have quite a a fundamental word and understanding for what that kind of complex or thought process was and it just it existed but you know it's just like we don't have time to think about this totally yeah fair enough yeah This is an unsubtle transition, too, but I did have a slightly anxiety-related question with regard to Australia. Uh Uh-huh. In the midst of, obviously, you know, this was just recently you were there, but were you able to feel, like, safe or safer in Australia knowing how well they handle the pandemic and, like, shuts that place down when something happens?
1: Yeah, let me think. I mean, I didn't—I wasn't, you know, super worried about COVID. I was more worried about getting it— before i left um because i was staying with my boyfriend's parents and his dad's older and i just was like oh god i wouldn't want to like bring it there or something like that and then they're you know like i know that they've they handled it you know better than the us though i think like this is a time where they have higher rates than they've had but i also my anxiety in the pandemic has oddly, like not so much been about like getting COVID or health, not because that's makes any sense, but because I found that my anxiety often like compartmentalizes itself where there's are some areas of my life where I'm like not anxious at all. And other mm-hmm. areas, you know, again, not because it's like based in reality and what one should or shouldn't be anxious about. It's just I think my programming, how I grew up, this and that, and then other areas where I can be like very disproportionately anxious. And so for me, health, you know, I'm so lucky, like has never been one of those areas where I'm really freaking out. Like I haven't gotten COVID, which is, you know, not because, you know, I did the things you're supposed to do, but so do lots of people who've gotten COVID. Like it's been, I think, a combo of like doing the right things, but also luck. Um, But I also feel like if I got it, I you know, probably would be fine though, who knows, like knock on wood. So, um, I can't, this is a long way of saying, I can't say that like the experience of Australia, like the worry about COVID or anything like that was like top of my mind, you know, as much as other things. Um, but certainly like they did seem to, you know, they had certain like contact tracing stuff, um, built into their system. That we don't have so i definitely noticed like i felt like they were more organized than than we were
0: okay no that makes sense um and to your point just about like covid um i'm lucky i've not gotten it and it's both a being cautious overly cautious and it also being completely inexplicable that i haven't gotten it yeah like it's it's so wild you know how that works it's like you can only mitigate that to a certain extent totally and Like, there's so much luck
1: yeah Yeah, some of my friends who were the most cautious did end up getting it and i i would say i was medium cautious like i wore a mask when you're supposed to wear a mask and and because i live alone like you know i don't have a ton of exposure but like i'll eat indoors in a restaurant these days and um so yeah i do think some of it you know has just been luck
0: yeah i know for me that i'm i'm fearful of getting it and i don't in any way want to get it but In the case of if I were to, I'm way more fearful of getting somebody else sick than myself. Right. At least I can deal with it and the consequences and it's up to me and I guess my choice is inexplicable though it might be that I do get it, but it's more of a, just the idea of getting somebody else sick mortifies me. I would never, regardless of whether it's COVID or anything else for that matter.
1: Yeah, totally, totally. Um, Here's my unsubtle transition and I'm sure you've answered this many times in the podcast, but- how are you? I don't know you that like at all. And so can you give me to whatever level of detail you want a little summary of what the pandemic has been for you? Like what, what your experience has been?
0: Sure. Let me think. Well, you know, it's been a very specific instance or experience in terms of, as I mentioned before we started recording, just doing this show, having that outlet for pretty much the entirety of it at this point and doing that, Three times a week or now once a week has been an absolute godsend. Like it cannot be, uh, you know, under, oh, I don't, what's the word? It can't be overestimated how much that's been a thing. Mentally, man, it's been really up and down. Yeah. You know, peaks and valleys, but not, you know, in short succession, thankfully. There's been good trends and bad trends. And that first year, especially, you know, now that you're out of it, I didn't realize how like numbed my brain was during all that. Yeah. You know, when you think about like, oh, that thing I did, which wasn't anything wild, but it was just more of a what the hell? You know, it felt like out of body in a way that I didn't anticipate. Yeah. Uh, back then, and you know, you think you're fine, and then you have context, and you're like, oh wow, okay. The winter, you know, last winter, man, it was really, really difficult mentally for me. Yeah. And I didn't realize it was, I guess, to be relatively cooped up because, you know, here, you know, in Arkansas, we don't have intense winters or anything, but not especially like the north, but we have them. And so you can't really do a lot. And then you're cooped up. And then it feels like as much as you might not be going out because of COVID in certain instances, at least you choose that. Yeah. <laughs> and and then not have that choice of like, ah. And it really affected me and, and thankfully summer and spring came along and yeah. I'm doing good now. And I tried to buoy that, you know, by reading or doing the film festival thing virtually, which has helped me a lot. And yeah. I don't think I'm really answering your question. No, I, you I, totally I are. Like,
1: you totally are. And yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't know if it's the pandemic or getting older or both, but like I've certainly noticed how like the simplest things like the weather, the amount of sunlight, like these really basic we are animals type things affect your mood. And, you know, yeah. oddly for me, I felt like my two toughest times during the pandemic were both summers. Um mm-hmm. and it wasn't about, you know, the weather or whatever. It was more getting to these places where I was feeling like hopeless and out of gas. Um that said though, like I've like in the, the second time when I was feeling really down. Like I had to really shift my priorities just to, cause I was really trying to like work myself to death and be like, I'm gonna work my way out of this tough time, like write some brilliant script, this, that, and the other. But I was so panicked and like, you know, when you're in that headspace, like I write comedy, you're not like coming up with really amazing comedic (laughs) premises when you're like, what's happening with my life? (laughs) And so I had, but my answer, because I have sort of a a workaholic tendencies has always been work your way out of it. And I had to be like, you know what, work is not going to be the answer. The answer is just like every day, how can you make it like a little joyful, do something nice, this and that. And part of that was like, you know, get outside and go on a walk every day, get some nature, these things that like, I feel like five, 10 years ago, I didn't need or maybe just like I was getting without having to work at it. Um, but, but yeah. Um, and then you totally did answer my question. But what's more like, I'm also interested in because um, I think people initially, I feel like a lot of people were having similar experiences. But then six months a year into it. I feel like life circumstances set it such that some people like a year after the pandemic, or a year into the pandemic, life was pretty normal for them. But for other people, it really wasn't. And so like, you know, are you have you been living alone that whole time? Or like, has it affected your employment? And again, obviously, anything you don't want to say, you don't have to say, but I'm interested in those things as well.
0: Oh, it's whatever. I'm on disability. So thankfully, I mean, thankfully, like, it's a genetic thing. I have a muscle disease, so it's the one time, like, I've gotten anything out of it, so there it's like, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, know, you know, there's that, at least. Yeah. But, so, I have that, so I'm very lucky in that I I have money coming in, and I don't have to, in terms of the pandemic, prospectively expose myself to it by going into an office right. and doing this and doing that, so that helps alleviate that, and it allows yeah. me to focus on trying to you know, mitigate the symptoms of it via having time to work out and everything like that and be able to do this show, which helps me mentally. So I'm very lucky in that regard. But, you know, I I think definitely towards the pandemic, I've been overly cautious. Yeah. uh, And I need and I'm now having to consciously undo that. like, Like, sure. Because it's like, well, if I don't force myself to do this thing, then I'll just never do it because I have to hold myself accountable. So as much anxiety as it might give me to like go dine in a restaurant, I have to do it. Yeah. Because- at a certain point, it's just like, I'm just not doing anything. Right, Or right. So you just have to. Yeah. And, and it sucks, but the fact that I don't wanna do it only tells me that I need to do it even
1: more. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Ah, it's imperfect. Yeah, no. Life is complicated. Life is really complicated. <laughs> it is very complicated. I
0: wanna ask you about directing. Sure. The Other Morgan and Training Wheels both came out in the last two years, were they both filmed? I know the training wheels was filmed in almost about a year ago. Yeah. Uh, you tomorrow, did amazing
1: research. But, oh my gosh.
0: But did the other Morgan, was that filmed during all of this as well?
1: No, that was December of 2019. And okay. um yeah, I kind of like dragged the post-production out on that. Um And so it just like the post on that, I don't know, was like, nine ten months whereas like for training wheels we like crammed it into like six weeks to you know get it ready for certain deadlines so it just seemed like i shot the two closer together but really it's like i took my time with the first one and then rushed the second one um but yeah
0: i think you mentioned this earlier too that i don't know how to phrase this but i imagine to you know having these two short films to your point like not necessarily directly but Release kind of back-to-back within a year and a half, two years of each other, that, you know, if you want to... Anything in Hollywood, in the entertainment field, if you want to, like, focus on directing, like, that has to be a choice because everything is so difficult to break into and so you have to be very concerted in what you're doing with that. Yeah. Is that more of a track that you're going down, like, consciously trying to want to go more into directing or is it more of a, I have more time to indulge this so you're able to make training wheels... Has it been a natural progression or has it been pushed by the pandemic, you think, if that makes sense?
1: I think it's both um, in that, you know, I started to dabble in directing um, like five years ago. I had like made this web series um, and initially I was like, oh, I don't know that I see myself as someone who ever is going to be like super passionate about directing, but it seems like something I could at least be decent at and, you know, what? I always knew I wanted to make my own thing. So I figured like the more I know about the, uh, about directing, you know, the more I will be able to take something that's in my mind and put it out in the world. And again, not like at that time I was thinking like, Oh, it's not that I would direct my own stuff, but I would be better able to tell the director what I wanted.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, and now I'm very much like, Oh no, like I, I have to direct everything I do or whatever. Um, but, So I, you know, was dabbling and interested, but then the pandemic certainly made it um, more of a focus um, because I, you know, haven't really been in a writer's room in a while. And um, I started taking classes through UCLA's extension school, like cinematography classes, this and that. And yeah, I just kind of had the time to focus more on it. And it, you know, was something that was more under my control than say like booking some role or something like that. So it was a combo of, you know, both natural progression and um, the circumstances of the pandemic.
0: Okay. I mean, that makes total sense to your point about directing being able to control that and fully communicate what you want to communicate and get your vision out there. I imagine that's, you know, obviously there's so much work involved, but I also imagine that's a very intoxicating feeling to be able to communicate exactly what you want to communicate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, uh, it doesn't always happen. I I feel that training wheels was more successful in that than the other Morgan because I had grown and knew more, but also some of it was just luck. Like I had an amazing DP Arlene Muller and an amazing editor, Taylor Giannis, and they just are very talented and uh, their choices happen to really work with what I was looking for, um, but you know, it's 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 hard to talk about like art and creative ideas, and so there is a bit of a like leap of faith you have to take to be like, okay, I want this kind of shot. Hopefully, Arlene understands what I mean by that, you know. Um, and I look back on like things I've made, whether I've directed them or not. Like there've been web series that I've made that I haven't directed, but I've written. And some of them i'm like yes the director really got what i meant and other times they didn't you know and that's just i wish it were this linear like always going up and up like you're better and better at communicating your idea but it's it's a little more up and down than that
0: yeah i can imagine because it's <laughs> i think somebody not necessarily revelatory but somebody just described directing is it's just constant problem solving
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know and that you're basically running your own corporation that is a movie yeah of obviously varying sizes but that it i just can't imagine how complicated it is and to your point about it's so beautifully shot training wheels it looks so great so well edited george basil is fantastic yeah he's
1: killed it
0: such a nice guy what an absolute delight they're both really impressive because i can't imagine what it is you know i always think about short films and how how difficult they must be to make because they're you have to accomplish so much in such a relatively short amount of time, there's so much economy about that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. to be successful at it, I mean, any movie is, feels like a miracle. To be made, let alone be amazing. And I thought you were very successful, both of them. They're both great. great. Like, I, like love, I them. love
1: them. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely.
0: This is a much different subject, but I was curious about it because in my notes, I have this very revelatory note. Looks fun as hell. <laughs> and that is uh adult gymnastics.
1: Ah, yes.
0: Looks... Delightful.
1: Yes, yes. I started taking some gymnastics classes um, a while back. I think, I guess, I can't remember if it was like the summer or fall of last year. But yeah, this photographer I know, Kim Newmoney, posted an Instagram video of her at this gymnastics gym, and I was like, "Where is this?" I don't have any background in gymnastics, but over the last several years, I've gotten more into fitness, and I you know as a kid I, I was like a total indoor kid like never played sports or anything so never learned how to like do a cartwheel and so in getting into some fitness over the last couple of years i've wanted to do sort of those like things as a kid that i never could yeah. and so like i had started working on like a handstand and so when i saw her post this thing at this gymnastics gym i was like where is this and i started going to the classes and um it's very fun i, I take a class every saturday at noon a beginner class. And I can't say that I've improved. I've improved some, but not that much. Um, But it's fine. It's like so nice to do something that's not about like must achieve this goal because I am very goal oriented. Um, It's just like fun and stupid. And it's a real ragtag crew. There's like a woman in her 70s in the class who's better than me, who like (laughs) has an oxygen tank. Like I it feels like the mighty ducks. Um, but it's, it's, it's a delight. And you know, when the world is falling apart around you to just do something for pure, like stupidity and fun is sometimes all you can do.
0: Oh, absolutely. Like I, I can just imagine though, it's just a delight because you're like, wow, this is as little or as much stakes as I want it to have, which is very liberating. And you have the structure of I do this on this day and I can just have fun with it. Yes. I'm getting out shined by a 70 year old on an oxygen. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Yeah, that's that. That's my aspiration: is to to be that seventy year old eventually. Yes, who's showing up? Yes, these these young sprites. Yes, I know the video you posted too, some of the videos of it. It just looks joyful, like just fun, just enjoy it. Whatever you succeed at, it's like it's a win at this point. Totally. At this point.
1: yes, it's totally joyful. Um, yeah, and like you know, I think that uh, that's definitely been a lesson of like, I don't know, my thirties and just being like, because I feel like when I was younger. For a very long time, I felt like I was at the beginning of life and just feeling like, oh, I'm going to reach these summits or I'm going to get to this place and then I'll, like, live life. But it's like, actually, I've been living life this whole time and you need to, like, <laughs> take – you you can't keep pushing – like, I, I haven't – this Australia trip is one of the first times I've really traveled internationally. I'd taken a couple trips before but really hadn't done much, I think, from that same place of, like – I don't have time to like live life yet. I am trying to get to this place in my career, this place in my personal life, you know? Um, but it's like, well, you know, um, actually like life is right now and you need to you know, allow yourself some of the joy right now. Cause you don't, you know, that's assuming like you'll get to live to like 89 and maybe you don't. Yeah, or yeah. Even if you do, are you gonna save all, all, all of the fun till your eighties, you know?
0: Yeah, I guess it's that idea of like you can be alive but but not living. Yeah, is that kind of like, for lack of a better word, slowing down? Is that something that you were kind of doing and realizing that pre-pandemic, or was that you think maybe instituted a little bit more, giving you that perspective during it?
1: You know, I, I, it's hard for me to put my head back in the pre-pandemic place regarding this. Um, I would, if I had to guess, I think I probably, you know, had learned enough to be like, you should slow down, but the pandemic certainly made me feel that a lot more. Like I feel like, you know, so many people in my life and in our age range, were making these big decisions of like getting married or having kids or this or that. And it just, it does you know, sort of shine a light on like the personal life and just being like, you know, you gotta live life regardless of, of what's going on with the career, you know?
0: I guess my question in retrospect just boils down to, hey, did you get some perspective from the pandemic? Which
1: No, not like, at all.
0: Revelatory stuff, yeah. I yeah, haven't yeah, learned
1: yeah. a thing. <laughs>
0: I haven't learned a thing about myself or about the world or anything. I mean, I just, you know, much like Jared Leto, I, I just recently found out.
1: Yeah. I've about been the in, pandemic. Yeah, I've been <laughs> at a, you know, yoga retreat or whatever he was doing.
0: <laughs> a, board, a borderline cult. Two weeks after the pandemic started. Yeah,
1: what is that weird. what? What? Do you, I don't. I had heard that Jared Leto like missed the memo on the pandemic, but like, what was he doing?
0: So from what I've read, I mean, there's a lot of baggage with Jared Leto. A lot of very questionable things. Uh huh. But, but one of the somehow more innocent things of all the things are that he had a retreat. I think to your point it was like a yoga retreat but he's also got these retreats that he does as part of his band 30 seconds to mars Mm -hmm. that have apparently evolved or de-evolved depending on your perspective (laughs) into basically being a cult well if not outright being a cult to where he and and at least his brother if not his bandmates wear like white diaphanous robes and they are lauded by their fans to the point of like maybe deifying them mm -hmm. and it's a whole thing And I don't know, you know, if in talking about like true crime documentaries and cult documentaries that taught me anything is that it's not a good thing to be in a cult, I don't think. (laughs) Doesn't seem like it. (laughs) And there's a lot of um, nefarious things that seem to come out of that. So, yeah, there are at the very least like cult-like undertones involved with things that he's involved with. Yeah. And he's a guy that personally, if I were to ever experience him in the wild, I don't think I'd walk up to him and say hi. (laughs) I think I'd be too scared. Sure.
1: Yes, yes, yeah yeah I didn't know that about the cult stuff with him but he did over the last I remember when I was younger I had a crush on him I thought he was so cute and then so he's always like a celebrity I've sort of paid attention to on a superficial level but then it does feel like in the last five ten years he's his douchiness really seeps through um and so yeah it's it's uh, just like another layer that maybe there's culty stuff. I will say you know as with like I feel like every woman I've been interested in <laughs> cults and stuff like that. and yeah. um, and I' and I've, I've have had some some light brushes with things that like could have been cults. I'm like very ha- happy I've, I've not ended up in one because I think I have the, the brain for it. like I think there's a type of person that is susceptible to that. But it's interesting between my own little brushes and watching like true crime documentaries, you kind of see that like across all these cults, it's like the same formula, like, you know, starts with messages about changing your life that seem like really great, and then it turns nefarious. But what's interesting is like, if you break most cult philosophies down, it's all the same shit. It's like this Buddhist stuff of like non-attachment, you know? And so, there's something nice to like, so many philosophies, whether cultish or not, religious or not, are saying the same thing. So it's like, can you take the broad wisdom without like, then, you know, ending up a sex slave to some weirdo in the desert. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there seems to be such a fine line between a guru that's trying to earnestly impart wisdom to people. Right. And then somebody who then just gets this absolute power. And then it, you know, as Machiavelli says, it corrupts him. Absolutely. Right. And I don't know where to have power. I'm sure... Can be intoxicating let alone to have visible power over people yeah and that is not me empathizing with cult leaders yeah i see how they can get there yes so in that regard i do find them fascinating as uh obviously nefarious and terrible as they are as they prey upon vulnerable people but i'm sure not vulnerable people at all you know like or people that didn't think they were vulnerable i know for me to your point about them like as much as i like to think i'm like ah no that wouldn't be me i still wouldn't like do a free tour of the scientology center because like, i could wake up and then three years later i'm at sea org oh, Oregon, for sure. or and
1: i've done a couple Absolutely. of those tours uh, like for uh, you know i did them to because i was like ooh how interesting and then i stopped i did it like three times over the course of a year and a half then i stopped because it was like there's real people not everyone is tom cruise it's like a lot of poor people who have been taken advantage of. And I was like, oh, I shouldn't like make entertainment out of like this, yeah. their lot in life. But yeah, I I was listening to a podcast about cults like made by some of the people that got out of Nexium, And these are smart people. And they talk about like, you think it's about being stupid or not or street smart or not. But I really think it's like having a certain personality type, which I have, which is like, um, maybe optimistic, a bit of a dreamer, and also someone who's, like, searching for answers and yes. has a belief that, like, outside of you there is someone who knows better and who can show you the way. And I don't think that's, like, inherently... It's, I certainly don't think it's inherently, like, dumb or unstreet smart I think it's just a certain worldview that whether you're rich and went to an Ivy league school or poor with no education, you can have that set of personality traits that are going to make you susceptible to fucking Scientology or whatever it is.
0: Absolutely. Like I think, you know if you can just possess like an earnest curiosity yeah and that in and of itself amongst many other like to your point character traits could absolutely do that it has nothing to do with like socioeconomic background right at least i don't think so i guess some of them like the next teams of the world with that multi-level marketing aspect of it right perhaps that does yeah. in that regard but otherwise no i think it's kind of like what personality traits do you have that in which this deeply resonates with you and unfortunately I also have that, you know, like an earnest curiosity, uh, a general optimism most days, anyway, and wanting to have these answers. And I, I really think that if it caught me on the right day, oh man, it could yeah. get me yeah. and it frightens me. I don't, I just, I can't do it. It's, oh. it's the fact that it's a possibility is a problem, and I just can't go near it because I'm fearful it'll, it'll just work too well on me.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like you know yourself. You know, you know your. <laughs> Where to put boundaries and such.
0: I don't know. You know, maybe that's where the anxiety keeps me in check. I don't know. But I try. You hope. Knock on everything.
1: <laughs>
0: but a massive pandemic amidst a million other things happening in the world, they certainly give you perspective to call that back. And uh, everything is so much. And, and in the scheme of things, like, you know, my problems, valid though they may be, are pretty minor at best, all things considered. So well, I'm lucky.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a hard thing to be, like, uh, well, I think what you're getting out of, like, oh, my problems, grand scheme of things, aren't big or something like that. But I think, uh, you know, that can also, like, your problems are, are real and, sh- you know, if, if you have ups and downs about them, like, it's valid and doesn't make you, you know, ungrateful or something too to be like, this sucks right now, whatever it may be, you know? So I think it's like modest and gracious of you to be like, ah, oh, small grand scheme of things. But you're also entitled to be like, you know, oh, this thing I'm going through really sucks, or, you know?
0: No, I, I know what you mean. I appreciate what you said too, that it's just a tough thing because you, whatever happens to you, those are absolutely valid. And that's the thing. And you should give those thoughts, experiences, cre- those, those feelings credence, absolutely. And it's a thing. But then I guess the other side of that is just, you know, so you didn't, at least for me, get away from me to a certain extent. It's like, this is absolutely a thing, but it's not everything. And I don't know. It it just depends on the day, I guess. It's just, everything is so much. It's so difficult. Totally, totally. And life is complicated. And boy, you know, your 30s really are the, uh, oh, I need to slow down, get some perspective, and... Also, man, I am not as malleable as I used to be. Yeah. of my big 30s takeaways.
1: Yes, yes.
0: All the revelations coming from this podcast. of my, oh, The right. pandemic's a lot. It'll give you perspective. And, oh, yeah. Um, and I need to sleep well or I don't function well. Yeah. <laughs> We're reaching the hour at this point, so I don't want to keep you longer than I had said I would. Thank you for doing this, first of all. I enjoyed it. I love your short films.
1: Thank you so much. I think
0: they're much. so good. And I'm excited to see what you do.
1: Thank you for having me because, like, you know, for me as an extrovert, like, uh, just having a fucking hour-long conversation with a person is truly therapeutic. And, you know, at the beginning of the podcast, you asked me how I was, and I was like, I'm okay. And now, like, I'm (laughs) like, you know, got to, like, uh, like, release the stress and, you know, have a lovely conversation getting to know a new person. So I feel very grateful, and I'm so glad to have gotten to chat with you. Well,
0: thank you. For your time and for doing it, and I agree. I I think um, it's hard to be connecting with people, whether right. you know them or not. But certainly, not adds that added layer of like, oh, it's cool to know this person exists in the world.
1: Yes, yes.
0: And it's cool to have, share that time. You know, yeah. an hour, being what it is. Yeah, it's great. So thank you. And your short films are available on your Vimeo page, which I'll link to with the with the episode. And I know. Omeletto is where 20 training wheels can be found. Online. Yeah,
1: actually both are also on Omleto So you okay. can find them there and Actually get a little They've started to monetize those two shorts on Omleto So if you're gonna watch it, I would watch it on those YouTube channels because I could get a penny um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, they're either place and um, Yeah, check them out if, if or and, and follow me on Instagram. That's like a good place to see what I'm up to
0: Okay, I'll link to all that stuff with the, with the episode. Thank you. Thank you again for doing this.
1: Thank you. I'm no,' really such it. a treat. And I think it's so great what you're doing. like this stuff does need to be chronicled and it seems like a good way to, yeah, just make people feel less alone and um, keep doing what you're doing.
0: Thank you. And yeah, it's it's been a wild and unexpected trip, much like the pandemic itself. Good God. But thank you all for listening. Take care. stay safe. Get vaccinated and or boosted if you're not. Lead with empathy. Be kind to yourself. And uh, yeah, it's okay to not be okay. And thank you again. Take care.
1: Bye, Thank you.